Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome everyone to our podcast for the sake of the child. Our topic today is kids in the media. I'm Katya Pinkston. I'm a parent educator, curriculum developer, and researcher for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also a parent and the spouse of a retired service member. Our son graduated from a Judea school overseas and is now going to college. And joining me today is Dr. Yelda Uhls, who is an adjunct professor at UCLA. Dr. Uhls, thank you so much for being here today. Can you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. So as you heard, my name is Yelda T. Ools, and I'm also a mom. I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, and I spent 15 years in the content creation business as a senior executive in the uh, movie business, and then I segued and got a PhD in child development from UCLA about almost 10 years ago now uh, is when I started. I do research on how media affects kids at UCLA and I teach and I consult with the um, national nonprofit Common Sense Media. Dr. Rules, thanks to smartphones, the media is nowadays all around us and we use it all the time. As a parent, what do you think I need to be aware of when it comes to my children using the media? I think the most important thing is to be aware, to pay attention, to be mindful of your child's media practices, particularly when they're very young. I think that when children are very young, we tend not to think about media as much because we're able as parents to control the dial in old-fashioned terms. But it's actually quite, quite important when they're very young to think about um, how they're using media, how you want them to use media, how you yourself use media, and sort of set up the right environment for them. They're learning all these important skills, uh, walking, talking, and then as they get older, how to hang out with peers and be in other environments. And media now touches all of that. So it's really important to consider. Mm-hmm. In your book, Media Moms and Digital Dads, you stress the importance of being a responsible role model. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to be a responsible role model? Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. So again, it is being mindful, being mindful of your media practices. So being a responsible role model means not using the phone in the car while you're driving. Um, Even when your kid's really little and you think, oh, they can't tell, they're paying attention to you and they're picking up on it. It's putting down the phone and giving your child attention when you know they're really trying to grab your attention maybe not having it at the dinner table also sometimes parents are on their phones or computers for work 
but they're children and they we rationalize it and say I'm on it for work you know so it's okay but children don't understand you're on it for work so letting them know I'm mom mom or dad is doing you know an email for work or maybe I'm doing an email or text to arrange a play date for you narrate for them what you're doing and then say now I'm putting it down and now I'm giving you your attention my attention other things are thinking about what you put on you know thinking about the content very carefully thinking about high quality shows all sorts of things you know it's it's the same way you're you're a, per, a regular role model you know you everything you're your parent your child's first teacher your teach uh, your child learns in the beginning of their life mainly from imitation and observation and they're going to pick up on your media habits as well as everything else that right. you do so think about you know another thing and I'll stop after this is don't um, necessarily post a whole bunch of pictures of them when they're really young and they're super cute and you're posting them on all your social media feeds they're gonna grow up and and see those photos because they'll be permanent and they may not appreciate it be mindful about posting pictures of your child at a young age think about if they were older and would they appreciate that mm -hmm. and I, I really like that I, idea because you're right we we often we post those pictures and then they don't go away but there was something that you mentioned about high quality programs that I want to expand a little bit on there's a lot of media out there that is labeled educational for our kids how as a parent can I really be sure that a particular app or a software is really educational for my child and that it's okay to use that's a really good point because you know there's so many apps out there that are labeled educational but it's actually the person that creates the app that is saying it's educational and their real ultimate goal is to sell you something not you know they may want to also educate you but their goal is to sell and sometimes there are people that um, claim something is educational and it's not or it may not really you know it may educate but it may not align with your own family values so we recommend and common sense is an incredible resource in America and I think you can access it elsewhere it's in English but we also have Spanish language they have over 30,000 ratings that are nonpartisan they're very informational they're very deep and they can tell you they will tell you all sorts of things about the content and they do it across all different kinds of media including books so I recommend going to a third party that is not run by industry, that is not run by, you know, somebody with an advocacy, you know, a point of view where they're trying to push something, you know, right. but, but a third party that is informational is really trying to give you the information about whether something is educational, how much violence is in it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, I've used PBS and yep. I have also used Common Sense Media. Yeah, I find that their ratings are, are really very helpful for, for parents. Good uh, to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, media is all around and of course it's here to stay. So, we've talked a little bit about the negative side or what we need to be aware of, but I know there's also a positive side to the media. How can we maximize those positive well, so again, paying attention to the content. So rather than just saying no to your child when they ask 
to watch something or, you know, rather help them find good content. And you can use these resources to also find good, high quality content. Another way when they're younger is to co-view, watch with them, play with them, um, ask them about what they're doing and learn about it, and then talk about it with them. Talk about what's going on in the content. Even if it's content that you don't necessarily approve of, sometimes you can teach your child something about your values through the content that is maybe not necessarily, doesn't have necessarily the most positive messages. Yeah, and you just mentioned uh, watching together, watching these programs together. As a parent, I have found that is very helpful because then you can really discuss. Yes. What's going yeah. on? What did we see here? Yeah. And also, sometimes media is a great way to get into conversations that are not necessarily easy in the parent-child relationship. Um, and sometimes children will share things with you because they've seen a show and you're sitting there next to them and you're not looking at each other in the face and maybe something in the show will prompt them and they will bring it up. I personally have used media to, you know, that I've watched with my kids and I'll see it in the show, the kid is eating badly and I'll reinforce an eating message right. or, or a health message or, you know, messages about consent. We just watched 13 Reasons Why, my daughter and I, um, this show that is on Netflix. And we really had some great conversations because it was a very authentic um, portrayal of what high school is like and um, for many kids. And we were able to, she brought up some stuff that I don't think she would have shared with me if we were just talking. And I was, we were able to talk about what would you do in that situation? Has that ever happened to you, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point. Do you have a final story or a, a message that you would like to share with our listeners? I think, again, set, thinking about, and I'm, I'm hoping some of your listeners have young children or you know are going to have children soon, setting up the family media environment and thinking about it at an early age. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, and, and Common Sense is a partner of theirs, has recommended that parents do family uh, media contracts. Mm -hmm. And I did that with my children. It was quite successful. And they have an adaptable family media contract um, that you can go with your child and you can put in the age of your child and say, OK, I have a five-year-old. And here's what we're doing. And it'll ask you different questions. And it'll help you come up with a structure to form your family media environment. So you do it with your child and you change it every year because it's going to change as their media habits change and as they grow. Um, but things like, you know, do we charge our devices in the bedroom or do we charge them outside of the bedroom? If you're setting up your family media environment at a young age, you're not going to be thinking about that necessarily. You're an adult. You might charge it next to your bedroom and you have the self-control not to look at it all night long. But a teenager, a, a device in their bedroom, mm -hmm. they Absolutely. may not turn it off. Yes. And they may want to look, they want to connect with their friends. Mm -hmm. And that's going to hurt their sleep. So if you've set it up that at a very young age, you're charging your devices outside of the bedroom, your child, when they get their first device, 
they will know that that's the rule and you are doing that and they will be much more likely to follow it than if you are not doing that they will argue with you about it again so, that role modeling yes exactly so what these contracts do is they're not necessarily contracts that you know your child is going to follow that you're going to follow what they do is help you think through things like that so i really recommend them they help you be mindful. They help you think about it. You don't necessarily have to use a pre-made contract. You can make your own up. So that's what I would think about. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you so much for sharing these tips. And thank you also for taking the time to talk to us about kids and the media today. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Please continue listening for our after show, where we are going to talk in more detail about some points we shared on today's topic. Thank you so much. So we are very excited to have Dr. Yelda T. Ools with us today. She is a subject matter expert on media and she studies how media affect young people. She is also a senior advisor for Common Sense Media and she is the author of the book Media Moms and Digital. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and your um, presentation was excellent. Let's chat a little bit about media and kids. So how can parents set realistic expectations when we're creating that media plan? Um, the family media plan uh, is, is a tool to actually help you set realistic expectations. Um, the one with the American Academy of Pediatrics adjusts to the age of your child, and it gives you um, actually prompts and different things that come up at different ages. So you can be developmentally appropriate, you know, a two-year-old versus a five-year-old versus a 10-year-old. There will be very, very different issues and um, it will help you be thoughtful about it. And then as you mentioned, make sure that you um, talk to your child as well and allow them into the process, allow them um, to, to give you input about um, where they are, what they think about media. And it's not always um, necessarily punitive um, what you decide to do with the family media agreement. Um, it's not always necessarily, um, you know, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. Um, it, it helps you frame your child's media use and your family media use in a positive. So choose high quality content or, um, you know, uh, check, check uh, common sense media for which, one, which content you want to choose. These kinds of questions um, can come up when you do the family media agreement. And if you get buy-in from your kid, it becomes a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. And a side so, note, I've used it myself as well. I have two children um, and my son is a teenager um, and he loves gaming and um, we used it for a while. I was very worried about his media use. He used it all the time. Um, he was on, on gaming all the time and the agreement worked really well. And he um, is very good at self-regulating now. So it's, it's a good tool um, to allow your child to learn 
how to make their own boundaries and to stop their media use. I used to always say to my son, the last thing I want is you to go off to college and be somebody who's on, um, you know, in their basement gaming 24-7. I need um, to help you learn how to um, get off by yourself. And the tool really helped us with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome that, that your son was able to, to self-regulate through that media plan. Because I was wondering, to, to be honest, um, when, when we have that media plan, what do we do when children are by themselves, especially the teenagers, or when they're at a kid's home? How can we as parents make sure that they still follow that media plan? It really comes down to trust. We, you can't. I mean, you can't watch your child every minute of every day. When we were growing up, we had very few options. Our parents had very few options to sort of track us or watch us. We as adults have many, many more than, um, than our, our parents did. So um, building that trust and using the plan as a way to engage your child into the process and then talking to them about it when they come back. How was the? Um, how was your time at your friend's house? What did you do? And and it, one very important thing is um, to be you know to not overreact if they break the plan or if they um, do something that's you know if they tell you oh I watched a friend of mine actually told me her um, actually did at, at a talk. Her child went to um, a play date or a, a, with an older child that's a family friend. And the older child who was in fifth grade wanted to, and her child's um, only in kindergarten. And the older child said, I want to play Fortnite. And the younger child, her child said, I'm not allowed to play Fortnite. <laughs> and, um, but then, so, so they said, okay, you don't have to play Fortnite, but then they put, um, then he said, I'll just come and watch. So he watched him play Fortnite, which was almost just as bad. But the nice thing is, because he was just a little kindergarten kid, he told the truth to his mom, and his mom didn't overreact. She just talked to him about it. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, so funny that you just mentioned Fortnite. We talked um, about Fortnite, and I have to say I have a college-age kid, and he's not playing it, but I know from, from Susan that her kid is playing that Fortnite, too. So that appears to be very, very popular. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's switch gears and, and talk about role modeling, though. How important is role modeling when we're trying to enforce healthy media boundaries? Um, role modeling is really, really important. In fact, the um, most um, predictive of a child's, the, the, the variable that is the most predictive of a child's media use is the parent's media use. It's more predictive than having a phone in the bedroom. If, if a parent is not, uses media a lot, the child most likely won't. If the parent uses media a lot, the child most likely will. So it's really important to, and there's no right or wrong answer. You know, a child, a family that uses a lot of media, there's no evidence that that family is going to have negative outcomes versus a family that doesn't. Each family is different. The most important thing is to think about your own values and talk to your child about it. You know, and, and if you are a family that uses a lot of media, 
then role model as as we discussed um, possibly putting um, the devices away at the dinner table finding time for real conversation as a family where everybody puts it down make sure that you still find spaces where there's no media and that face-to-face time and conversation and connecting with your child is um, important and your child sees that. My next question is probably a question many parents have asked themselves. You're a professional, but as you also explained, you are a parent. So in your opinion, what is the best parenting approach to deal with this fast-paced online world? And especially... Like one um, parent says, how can I help my child scale back that that media use if, if the parent is concerned about becoming addicted? So I, I can talk to you about that, what happened with the my son, which is essentially this family media agreement worked really well. I was worried mm-hmm. about, and I tried to get him to scale back. And... I started with a punitive, you know, if you don't get off after half an hour, uh, you won't have any media whatsoever. I flipped it with the agreement and said, if you get off, you'll get an extra half hour on the weekend. And what that ended up doing was teaching him two things. One, self-regulation, his own regulation. It stopped making me be the bad guy because he realized he'd get a reward, and rewards are much more effective than consequences. We know this from child development research, from all sorts of research, rewards work much better. If you can self-motivate your child um, because of the reward they're getting, even yourself, it, um, it is much more effective as a form of behavior modification. And so it taught him to self-regulate because he was looking forward to the reward and it stopped making me the person that had to scream at him, why aren't you getting off and punish him? It also scaled back his time. One of the the things that uh, I've noticed is that um, that family media plan really seems to work to help kids establish boundaries, especially if we help them be part of the plan and help establish their own boundaries and think through that. And for the younger kids, though, um, maybe just saying no sometimes, maybe that is still an option, too, for especially for the I'm talking about the preschool age, kindergarten age, that we still have to teach them, you know, there are other activities out there that you can engage in. Yes, absolutely. And for young children, it's really important, especially preschool children, for them to not be on screens, for them to have lots of concentrated face-to-face time, lots of concentrated just playing around and letting their mind wander and learning motor skills. And, you know, I mean, some parents, you know, for example, some parents even you know, not too many, thank goodness, but, but, you know, they have places for phones on strollers. And the reality is when a kid sits in a stroller, they're going to, especially at those younger ages, they're going to be interested in the environment just as much as a screen. And if, you know, they'll be interested at looking at the light, they'll be interested at looking at a tree. Um, Don't take away those possibilities and that learning because they will learn more from them that than a screen. They actually don't learn much from a screen in the first two and a half years of their lives. 
Um, it's hard for them to understand that a screen means anything about the real world. They may want to stare at it because they like the sounds and sometimes they like pushing the buttons and seeing something, but they can be just as interested in pushing a button on a toy or pushing um, their own finger into their um, leg. You know, they're learning sort of cause and effect and all sorts of things. So it's really important when they're very young to give them other ways of interacting than sitting in front of a screen. Dr. Ulsaf, one last question. You are a senior advisor for Common Sense Media. Could you please tell us what features Common Sense Media offers to help parents? Yeah, so Common Sense Media is an incredible resource. It has uh, ratings of over 30,000 titles. It gives you very sort of non-judgmental ratings. They uh, have ratings of books, they have ratings of, of movies, they have ratings of video games. So they, from a rating perspective, they are really robust and people love them. They also have parent resources. So on their site, they have lots and lots of advice. They have a family media agreement thing to do with common sense media is you want to teach your children how to check common sense media because that's another self-regulation mechanism. It's not just you checking and saying yes or no, you're teaching your child how to check and make conscious choices about their media use. Common Sense has all these parent resources, they have lots of parent articles, they also have videos, and they also have a whole educational digital citizenship curriculum that teachers use. Um, it's quite a popular um, resource and it's all free and it teaches kids the same things that you're hoping to teach them at home, safe password use, to think about their digital footprint, what to do with cyberbullying. And um, it has parent resources with that. So the best learning is when there's a home school connection and what's being taught at home is also being taught at school. So you have several adults that are sort of repeating the same things. And if there's, if your school uses um, a digital citizen curriculum and Common Sense offers this, if you're able to sort of reiterate those lessons at home, your child will truly understand them and, and appreciate them more. Um, I wanted to address the question that was about adding extra screen time if you're worried about addiction. Addiction is something to worry about, and I certainly worried about it with my son. In my book, I have a checklist, different questions to ask yourself if you are truly worried about your child being addicted. We throw around the word addiction quite a bit, and it actually only applies to a small percentage, five to 6% of, of adults and children with this kind of behavior. Most of the time, it's either they're obsessed with it or problematic internet use. A lot of times, the reason children are using social media or on these games is because it actually they are actually addicted to one thing as they get to be tweens and teens. They're addicted to their friends, and they use these tools to connect with their friends. So, and in particular, if you know, I think in military families, probably you move around a lot, so it's hard to make those relationships possibly. Social media and video games are often a way for children to connect and play with friends. But if you are truly worried about addiction, Child Mind Institute also has a nice tool. And as I said in my book, you can ask these questions. Are they not eating because they want to play games or do whatever they're doing? Are they doing badly in school? Are they not wanting to be social? There's a whole bunch of different questions 
you can ask. And I actually did that with my son. I went through the checklist and I realized he was doing great in school. You know, he's, you know, he was, he was taking time to have dinner with us and do all these different things. So it wasn't necessarily that he was addicted. It was that he was, he was using media too much, in my opinion, video gaming too much. So what ends up happening? So adding extra time, it's, it's, the person asked, how do you scale back the media time? And you're not trying to cold turkey your child because that unless you really truly do feel they're addicted, what you're trying to do is get them to start thinking about their media use themselves and using media in an appropriate way so that when they're they're on for a time that makes sense with their lives and their schoolwork and their family obligations, so they get off to do the work they need to do. And then on the weekends, if you give them a little extra time, that is really about teaching them that there's an appropriate time for media use and an inappropriate time for media use. So you're trying to teach them long-term strategies for how to use media. Yes, and, and have that balance in, in their lives. And I think that that's also true for adults. So thank you so much, Dr. Olds, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today and for answering our questions. No problem. Thank you for having me. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.